1: It's really the best time of year for us as coaches because spring ball is all about teaching. It's just about teaching our base fundamentals of how we play, and uh, just really exciting to be on the field with our kids. First, first real practice where we've had them on the field and can start teaching our offense and defense, and really trying to explain our football the way we want it taught. So, for us, it's the best time of year. Um, we'll build a foundation. Uh, in these 15 practices that'll stick with us for the whole season. And uh, we'll refer back to the things we learn right now in the fall when we start playing games. So it's a really important time.
0: What's up? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Lots of stuff happening today. We've got transfer news on the Colorado State men's beat. We have Spring Ball back, gonna talk about that, obviously just opened up with Jay Norvell's audio. We had a sick video spot, uh, sick video spotlight, excuse me, from Ryan Green. Go check that out on YouTube, at DNBR Sports. Took a little bit of time off after the NCAA tournament. It, It just been a grind for a couple of months straight, but I'm excited to get back to work. Go check out all of the written content that we have, published a couple of pieces. On the first day of spring ball, just you know, talking about the culture change and, and some takeaways. I'm also going to give some takeaways on this pod, obviously, but check all of that out. I will be back up in Fort Collins on Saturday, going to try and make it two days a week, at least three days a week to camp when I can, but I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a lot of fun to be out there, and I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about this team, and it's cool to see how pumped the fans are I'm gonna split this podcast into two parts. So we are going to start by talking about spring ball and football, and then I am going to, on the second part, which I'll publish as a separate episode, talk about hoops and these transfers and each guy and and why there's really not reason for CSU fans to panic. Obviously, it's it's natural to be disappointed when there's transfers, but I mean, in, in the modern era, the fact that they haven't had more is, is kind of crazy. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings customers can also bet on college hoops with the same game parlay. This is where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Man, could you imagine if you would have bet on Saint Peter's to, to make the sweet sixteen? Uh you'd be rolling in it right now, be able to afford these gas prices. Man, it's it's absurd. Going back between Fort Collins and Denver is killing me. Um, but that's okay because I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped for spring football to be back. I'm pumped for the open access. Obviously the fact that we were able to, to shoot practice is just such a stark difference than than it's been I mean the the energy around this program is completely different for the first time at least in my experience around the team and I worked for the the football team in 2013 uh, 2014 basically until Bobo came and then I started covering the football team at the end of 2015 beginning of 2016 um, you know th- it, there was nothing like this you know the, the, the energy they have music and warm up sometimes but. I mean they've got the the music bumping throughout the entire practice it, it feels like an NFL training camp and that's awesome like they're making it a show they're making it an experience for the people that are coming out and they're just they're embracing the community that supports them you know I, I wrote in my takeaways piece I mean I don't understand why a university would ever do anything to push away its supporters but these are the people that are you know sweating through their t-shirts in, in canvas stadium when You know, you're playing Savannah State in September and it's 90 degrees and and the hot sun. I mean, even that Oregon State game was so hot. One of the hottest games I've ever been to. Same people are are freezing their butts off in the late November games, you know, when it's 8 p.m. kickoff and it's 20 degrees and it's windy and snowy. And I mean, for the most part, like other than some quirky social media stuff, this this last staff just did not care about engaging the community at all. Bobo was a little bit better, but not like a ton. I mean, not not he's not doing what Norvell's doing right now. And McElwain could could turn on the charm for the boosters, but if you weren't somebody that you know mattered to him or could serve a purpose for him, then you know you didn't really didn't really give you the time of day either. So I just think that we're we're seeing the benefits of having a genuinely good dude, you know, running the program. And I mean, we've, we've seen that before with CSU women's hoops and, and men's basketball, obviously Nico Medved having a, a guy with high character and, and not just spouting out cliches. Cause obviously every coach is going to throw out cliches about culture and, and doing it the right way, but then backing it up, you know, they're not trying to hide anything. Everything's open. You're allowed to shoot it. You're allowed to post it. Like, it's just, it's so refreshing. For example, you know, during the the Bobo era, we could occasionally watch some of spring ball. Every now and then they would open up spring ball and and a little bit of fall camp. Now the actual practices were closed other than stretches and a couple of, you know, warm up periods. But like if you saw Dante Wright make a sick catch, you weren't allowed to like tweet, you know, hey, that was a great play by Dante Wright. You had to ask about that play. And then that, you know, Bobo could choose to talk about it. It's just. This industry sometimes, they, they act like it's rocket science. And, you know, Sonny Lubick back in the day, be like there's no secrets. Either you're going to tackle well and block well and you're going to win or you're not and you're going to lose. And with Norvell, it's kind of like, we're going to throw the football all over the field. Try and stop it. And honestly, you know, I, I get it. If you're at a program like Alabama, you know, or Oklahoma, you probably couldn't have completely open practices because it would just be a madhouse all the time. You'd have so much media, so many fans. Maybe it's a distraction. But for CSU, I mean, it, it's me. It's Eddie Hers of the Loveland Reporter Herald. It's Kevin and, and Kelly from the Coloradoan. Brohard from, from CSU. Brady Hole, the only radio host in the state that consistently gives a crap about CSU. Shout out my guy Brady. It's the occasional TV guys. Nine News was there, as was uh, CBS. That was great to see. And I think Channel 7 was also there. Don't know where the Denver Post was. Must have had something more important or a Twitter rant to go on. 40 years. But hey, what do I know? I'm just a guy that's been there for six years and has seen said columnists maybe four times in four columns. But that's a whole side thing we don't need to go down. The, the point is, it's just cool that the media has this access, that they have the opportunity to highlight it. I mean, we're seeing. How excited people are are getting on Twitter to see the pictures and the videos and, you know, even a simple observation like Clay Millen to to Dante Wright is going to be a connection that the fans can get used to. You're creating natural interest in your program, which, let's be real, has underperformed now for a half straight decade. And Norvell knows it. He knows he needs to to build up that community trust. You know, he wants to put a a team on the field that matches the facilities they have. That's one of the things I asked him about, you know, was like, You talk so much about the the facilities and, you know, how incredible they were when you got hired. Now that you've had a chance to actually work in them, have they lived up to your expectations? And he's like, yeah, you know, absolutely. But we need to put a, a product on the field that's worthy of these facilities. And, you know, he talked about how the locker room was a mess and moving guys to the, he said JV locker room, but I assume that means the visitor locker room, which is just not as fancy. It's pretty bare bones. You know, until and, and they could clean it and until those guys could, could learn to appreciate it and just, you know, bringing in a, a sense of humbleness. He talked about how important it is, you know, to, to rep the university and to play for, you know, the alumni and, and the students and the former players and, and, you know, not even just former players, but everybody that's come through CSU, which is basically the complete opposite of, of what we heard from. The quarterback last year and, and star defensive end, you know, basically saying the, the fans don't matter because they're not in there. Norvell's out here being like, that's who we're playing for. This guy just gets it and it freaking rules. It's awesome to see he's embracing the CSU community in a way we haven't seen since probably Sunny, maybe Fairchild. It, it, it's just great. I, I love everything about it. Down to the blue collar outfit. I could cut. I got blocked by the UniWatch guy on Twitter because he made some weird tweet about the fetishization of blue-collar culture and all this. I'm just like, you seem fun. Dude sent me a threatening DM, and I told him to lighten up. Got blocked for it. So no more UniWatch for me. Oh, well. But I-, I thought the shirt went hard, man. Norvell has some swag. I talked about that at his intro presser. You know, he's wearing that slick suit. He's got the hair nice and done slick stash i mean the dude he he's got some swagger to him the coolness factor for csu has gone up like 300% he rocks that like charcoal gray pullover sweater over the the green polo the dude he just he, he's stylish man i like it and I, I think it's cool and i think the the work shirt is cool too you know obviously it's it's a little bit corny but it's symbolic you know we're we're going to work you know let's put in a, a hard day's work and People can choose to get upset about that because people online get upset about everything. Or you could just be like, all right, yeah, they should be getting to work. It's a cool shirt. Let the guy wear whatever he wants. It's a football guy move. And it's not like he's out there, you know, saying a bunch of BS all the time. He He's come off so genuine. I don't know. I just, I couldn't believe the UniWatch dude was like throwing shots and then he blocks me. And objectively, what he said on Twitter was much nastier than what I said, but... Again, whole whole side rant. I saw Boise fans being like, CSU loves to mock, you know, blue collar people. I'm like, what? It's an ag school. What are you talking about? Anyways, I thought the fit was fire. Absolutely fire. I liked his response. I thought it was a, a nice little, you know, metaphor. So I'm I'm cool with it. I I like the work shirt. I would rock the hell out of one if I could get one. Um I doubt that they'll sell those ever, I imagine. That's just like a, a coaching thing, but I'm a fan, I uh, will play that audio here in a sec. Yeah, the other thing they talked about is just, you know, not getting too worked up, you know, on spring ball, it, it's about emphasizing fundamentals. You know, he talked about how if you were trying to learn how to play the piano, you wouldn't just sit down and be able to play a song. You know, you have to learn how to play the notes and not just, you know, where they are, but you have to learn how to play them exactly right. So right now they're they're playing chopsticks, They're they're putting little sequences together, they're not playing any fancy tunes. And the reason that I bring this up is just that, you know, like, there'll be good days and there'll be bad days. But because it's a completely open practice, you're going to get a lot of opinions online from the fans. And again, that's all great because it's generating interest. It's cool that the fans can talk about this and, and, you know, debate about what they saw. Just remember, you know, the defense isn't even fully installed yet. Like, at, at this point, you just have to take everything with a grain of salt. You know, there'll be guys you see running with the ones that definitely will not be starters, you know, come fall there will be guys that are, you know, work their way up. It's just, it's early. The only reason I bring it up is like every year there's some, you know, walk on or third string guy that just like looks like a star in, in spring and, you know, everybody gets all excited and then, you know, fall camp comes around and things kind of go back to, to normal. So I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, what happens on the field does not matter in spring ball. My, my long winded point here is just that more than anything, they're, they're just kind of trying to get comfortable within these new systems and make sure that they're, they're learning how to do the little things and, and learning how to do them right. Because, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can, you know, see somebody play a song and, and learn how to play that song on the piano, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to play the piano. You just learned how to play that song. They want to make sure that they can actually play every note correctly, you know, learn the proper technique and build that foundational understanding that you can then, you know, come back to you know, in, in the coming months. So right now it's, it's really just about learning that that's the big thing. alright I'm going to play some Norvella audio, and then I'm going to give a couple final takeaways from the, the beginning of spring ball here, but real quick, I got to shout out the homies over at sexy pizza. If you've been to a Broncos tailgate, we had sexy pizza every time. Those are a ton of fun, by the way, if you did not make it out this year, do it. We've got, you know, free break brews, Pizza, knots, wings, you name it, games, it's just a good time. What is Sexy Pizza, you ask? Well, with 13 years in the Denver community, Sexy Pizza is as local as it gets. It's a hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. You can choose your own adventure with their wide range of toppings, or you can try one of their signature philanthropies. A portion of every sale of one of these five specialty pies is donated to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado. If you are interested in Sexy Pizza supporting your organization or event, go to www.sexy.pizza. Check out their About page for the donations link. See how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. But if you're just feeling hungry and you're in the metro area, hit up Sexy Pizza. They've got a 12-inch, 16-inch, and 18-inch crust. They have all the fix-ins with wing salads, pasta, knots, desserts. They have a vegan option, a delicious 12-inch gluten-free crust. That's a can't-miss hit. Stop by any of their four Denver locations in Cap Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill. They also just opened a new location out in Trinidad. Hit them up, Sexy Pizza.
1: In your first year, is it in your first spring, is it almost more important to teach them how you want things done as much as how what you're doing? I told the players, it's like if your parents ever made you play piano, we're not playing a song today, we're playing chopsticks. I mean, we're just playing the notes and we're just trying to play them exactly right. And, you know, a big part of it is learning how we practice. We practice very uniquely, very differently. And uh, we're not trying to be out here all day, but uh, the time we're out here, we want them to do it exactly right. And that's, you know, you just gotta be really focused on what we're doing. So it's all about repetition and fundamentals. And uh, you know, today was a good start.
0: You have the sign out
1: there. You know, today we play the Ramway. What? How do you describe that? What was that? Mean? That's our tap in sign, and that's just something we've always done. And it's just a reminder for them that we're starting to work. You know, uh, you know, practice is a workday, and uh, we have a saying. You know, in our in our business, uh, you know. The rent isn't paid at the end of the month. We have to pay the rent every day. And so we have to do that by having great practice and doing things the right way. And the tap-in sign is something that we all do that makes us all the same uh, as a team. And it activates us for practice. You know, it's like it's time to go to work now. We're all tapping in. So, uh, yeah, we started that today.
0: I assume that's what the the shirt is kind of off of. The, the
1: yeah, the shirt is... This shirt is something that I've always worn and and um, you know we we want to be a blue collar outfit we want to work every day um, there's no easy way to be good in this game uh, you have to do certain things every day and um, so just like we're working in the car shop you know we just come to work and and put a full day's work in and practice and it's just a reminder to me every day that we're going to work and a reminder of the players that we got to get, get our work done.
0: You talked a lot about the facilities back in December, now that you've actually gotten to operate in them, get your first day of spring ball. Has everything lived up to, to expectations? Yeah, the
1: facilities are great. And, and, uh, I mean, we, we have to put a, a football team worthy of the facilities, you know, we're working on the team and the people that, uh, that function and operate in here. So, um, We've learned an awful lot um, about being humble uh, and taking care of each other. And, uh, you know, uh, when I came back in December, uh, the team wasn't in the locker room. We put them in the JV locker room and it, because it wasn't as clean as we wanted it to be. And so we learned how to appreciate it and and um, had a lot of meetings with our captains and, um, You know, we got done with spring break. They went back in with a whole different attitude. So real proud of them. They've come a long ways and we still have a long ways to go.
0: All right. That was Jay Norvell saying everything that Ram Nation has wanted to hear. I I just, I love the mindset that he's bringing. I, I, I think, you know, humbling some of those guys in the locker room is going to do a lot of good because you know, for a team that was not very successful last year, those guys sure talked a whole lot. You know, I just it was it was weird, especially like even after the Hawaii game and stuff, I'm just like, you're gonna finish four and eight, three and nine, like I don't know. I'll say this, I think the guys in the locker room tend to act the way that leadership acts. So, you know, if you have a, a great guy running your program, you're you're more than likely going to have respectable guys on the field. And if you have somebody that treats everybody terribly, there's, there's probably going to be some attitude. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, a couple of takeaways. Again, it's early. Not trying to be too over dramatic here. You know, it's not that this stuff doesn't matter, but it's so early in the process. You don't want to get carried away. Uh, Ty McCulloch really looked good. I, I'm really glad that they were able to keep him and, and Dante right. I think those guys have been vastly underused, especially passing downfield. And in 2020, especially Budmeyer did a pretty good job, or Joey Lynch, excuse me, did a pretty good job of, uh, you know, getting right involved. They, they did a lot of quick screens and stuff like that. His injury situation last year made it, made it harder, but I mean, these are two guys that can really burn them over the top. And we just hadn't seen that. I think finally with this staff, we're going to See him take advantage. Obviously, Torrey Horton, Melquan Stovall are going to be huge, having two receivers that know the offense. I mean, one through four—that's that's a really solid receiving core. And then you can throw, you know, Gary Williams out there, a guy that really came on as a pass catcher last year. I think he could be in for for a big year. A talented guy. I've heard good things about Tanner Arkins, some of these younger guys. So, you know, I I think there's a lot of a reason to be excited with this passing offense and especially the quarterbacks you know they've got some live arms out there clay millen looked great you can definitely see he's most comfortable you know operating at the line of scrimmage commanding everybody he knows the system that makes sense but i was pretty impressed by the arm strength of, of giles pooler former rocky mountain guy that, that came home I, I was impressed by jackson stratton's arm you know fowler Braden fowler nicolosi had a couple of nice touch passes Evan Elace, you know, he, he showed some zip on a couple of passes. He definitely feels like he he's probably the the least likely to, to stick around long term, just given I, I don't see him being a, a fit in this offense, but good for him for sticking around at least through spring, giving it a shot. It just seems like guys are, are out there having fun, and that's kind of what Ty and, and Gary talked about. Obviously, as pass catchers, it's a significantly different way to practice, you know, in the Adazio era is, you know, a lot of heavy sets and, and trying to run the football, you know, down your opponent's throat. And you do have to be able to run the football as a successful team. I'm, I'm not saying that you can't. And I, I kind of like the, the backfield with Morrow and, and David Bailey and Ajan. I like that mix of of talent. Bailey was really effective as a pass catcher, especially in the red zone. I, I think you could get some of that involved coming out of, you know, the pistol Morrow, you know, kind of a, a big, downfield type runner let him take some of the physicality i just i think bailey just kind of wore down and it made sense with the the workload they kind of tried to have him shoulder last year and then you get Ajon, you know mixed with the kind of the the change of pace he can also get involved you know like a scat back kind of it's funny obviously we're, we're going to talk about the passing and, and that's you know the focal point of the air raid you know it's all about the passing but it really wouldn't surprise me if, if CSU was actually more effective running the football this year than they were last year. One, just because there's going to be so much attention on these receivers and you have the defense spread out. But I, I, I like this trio of running backs, and I think there's some other encouraging young guys coming up too. A lot of it going to depend on, on the offensive line, and honestly it's it's way too early to have any type of opinion on on the offensive line. But they've got some size, I'll say that. They look bigger than they've looked the last couple of years, so that's encouraging. I'm just excited to see this offense get to work. Like spring ball is fun, but I'm what I'm pumped for is fall camp. That's when you know football is really back. Like this is a nice little appetizer, you know. We we can have some nachos before the the carne asada, but I I just can't wait for fall camp. I can't wait, to, you know, till they're more comfortable in the system and in the playbook, and then we can really start to you know break down what we're seeing and and all that. But again, you know, this is great. This this is great. Yeah. The last thing I'm just going to say is that the defense is going to be behind the offense for a while. And, and that makes sense. It's going to take four or five days to install. Whereas like the, the air raid offense. So simply you can install it in three days, practice through five times. But one of the things that, you know, Jack Howell talked about and Quan Jackson talked about was just the, the energy that, that Freddie banks brings, you know, I, I think he's obviously more relatable, Chuck Heater, a very successful football coach guy that did some really good things, especially with the front seven. You know, they were they were a pretty dominant front seven for about eight games last year. But I think Banks is, is just going to do great things for for these young DBs. You know, you get AJ King that comes over from Nevada, up and coming corner, but Jack Howell and, and Henry Blackburn, guys that have already flashed, you know, significant talent. I, I just think he's going to bring the best out of them. Howell already talked about how excited he is to be able to kind of, you know, lurk near the line of scrimmage at times and, and, you know, play downhill. That dude, he just loves football. He's so fun to watch. So fun to watch. I'm, I'm just pumped about all these guys. That, that's about it. You know, again, I don't want to try and get too carried away after one day of spring ball and be like, this guy's a star, you know, this guy is terrible or anything like that. But those were a, a couple of things that stood out. We will have more content, you know, obviously throughout this again, I'll be back on Saturday, have a couple more written pieces, coming out from the interviews I've done over the last couple of days. We'll have David Roddy on the podcast on Friday, so you're not going to want to miss that. We'll kind of talk further about some of the stuff he talked about with Brady. If you missed it, he said, NBA returning to CSU, transferring, not an option. And I freaking love that. I love it. All right, like I said, I'm going to do a second episode here and and dive into the hoops transfer news, talk about the Sweet 16 a little bit as well, coming up on Thursday and Friday. Thank you to everybody that continues to support the content. Thank you to everybody that followed my March Madness content. Like I said, I took a couple of days off after the the grind of the hoop season, so I hadn't really had a chance to go back yet. I'll do some, you know, reflection-type pieces. Uh, I'll dive into kind of where I think CSU needs to try and improve in the offseason and all that, you know, just because the season's over doesn't mean we don't have things to talk about. But I hope, you know, now that it's been, you know, six days, you know, maybe the the sting is has gone down a little bit, especially after seeing how good Michigan is. I I think they're probably gonna make the Elite Eight. So you know, it, it was unfortunate it could have been the Rams, but they'll be back. They'll be back, baby, and the future is bright. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. Much love. Peace.